tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. And welcome to Tin Foil Hat. You know who I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Man, you got slow internet, brother. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, thank you for all the kind words you guys have been putting out about the episodes. You know, we're trying to put out some different kind of episodes here. It's, you know, it's, it can't be all deep state all the time. Uh, so, you know, we put out a Ricky one so you guys can get a little spirituality. Uh, you know, talked about the uh, black snake prophecies. It's all a little different. Try to give you a little different flavor, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate you guys supporting and spreading the word. So thank you guys. Uh, up front, I just want to tell you that uh, most of our gigs so far have been canceled. Uh, Tacoma isn't happening now. Spokane isn't happening now. And de- uh, um, the den, uh, isn't the happening den in either. Chicago not happening, but the den has rescheduled. So uh, we're getting that date. It has been rescheduled for August 28th. So uh, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everything you guys have been doing. You guys have been enjoying the content. Please go to the Patreon, man. I'm putting up something every day, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Last night it was an hour with John Paul Rice. Uh, it's tin, It's uh, patreon.com backslash tinfoilhat. Uh, there's only $5. I, I sh- I'm too lazy to change it. But if you want daily content and you don't want to watch the news, you want people talking about what uh, – what you, what you need to hear, we don't give you what you want. We give you what you need. And I'm really proud of the Patreon. So check it out. And uh, it's definitely worth the money. I, I work very hard on it. Uh, t-shirts are good to go. Uh, t-shirts go to tinfallhattshirts.com. I guess the printer is open. So uh, make sure I'll make sure to check in. And I will tweet you guys, let you know if they are go. But right now, yeah, all the T-shirts are going. And the new uh, um, Rick and Morty should be up. Next question. What else is there? Um, what else? Da, ba, ba, ba. I think that's it, man. Oh, yeah, that's real it. quick. Um, what do you want to say something, XG? No, I said that's it. Yeah, that's pretty okay. much it. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out. What we're gonna start doing on this show is um, start highlighting some small businesses because I think we're seeing this movement. Don't let these gigantic businesses. Uh, work, operate while everybody else is set to struggle. And I know that they're putting out some loans, some small business loans. I'll be looking into those loans. Uh, but I, I, we got to start highlighting the small business people because I think that's what makes this country so great is that you can build a business like this one I have right here and make money off it. So I want to highlight two different little um, companies. Uh, you know, full disclosure, they are my cousins. All right. First one is Monster Muffins. All right. Monster Muffins. Go to monstermuffins.com. Uh, it's done by my cousin. Okay. Where did that go? There it is. Uh, monstermuffins.com is done by my cousin. Now here's the thing about my cousin, dude. Uh, I don't know how we're related because he's a shredded super freak D1 running back and I'm genetic garbage, even though I have gorgeous kids. Um, 
So him and his girl, Krista, started this awesome, awesome new uh, company called MonsterMuffins.com. It's like muffins kind of got lost between cupcakes and cake, right? <laughs> Nobody ever was like, hey, dude, you want a cupcake or a cake? And I was like, oh, dude, I'll take cake. Muffins are so boring. Muffins are like Sunday school. Nobody wanted them. Not anymore. Monster Muffins go hard to the paint, and they do a whole variety. If you go to MonsterMuffins.com, they got it's like a full meal. It's like every holiday cake in one thing: your birthday cake, Halloween candy, uh, Christmas uh, candy. Is there Christmas candy and uh, birthday cake all in one? They got a wide variety. is locally owned here in uh, California. So uh, you just got to throw it into your uh, microwave. It takes 15, 30 seconds. And I'm telling you, I've had some of their, their um, muffins, and they are top shelf. And again, they are my cousins. They are, in fact, a small business that's kind of taken off. So you can get all the different flavors here real quick. Look at this. They got, oh, look at the name of these, dude. These are gold, dude. The Godfather. Birthday Bash, Cinnamon Monster, Gold Mine, Bam, Holy Grail, P. B and J, the Godfather, and Dude, chocolate this one, this one has Pop-Tarts in it. How good is this? Yeah, well, dude, had a you know why it's good? Because he's my cousin. Oh, That's why it's awesome. good. And Funny Teddy Grahams. Jeez. Dude, awesome. if you guys want to see a shredded human being, just put in <laughs> Connor Jeffries and then try to figure out how we're on the same family tree i have no clue uh how that happened he you know he, he got a d1 scholarship for running back so that is uh go to monstermuffins.com we love them very much i love my cousins very much so i'm very thankful that they would even do it uh they're incredibly good looking people so i have to support the attractive people in my family because we need more of them uh the other one, one is damone's landscaping that's d-a-m O-N-E, landscaping.com. Go to damonelandscaping.com. If you're in the Phoenix area, uh, you know, there's very few uh, holy, uh, honorable people in the world. We probably haven't seen one since Buddha or Jesus, but the other one is uh, Frank Damone, and he is the owner of Damone Landscaping. He's been doing it for what seems like 40 years, since 1979, and he is one of the most honest, hardworking guys you'll ever meet. I'm proud to call him a family member, and him and his sons are both running this whole thing, and uh, I love them so much, man, and they do great work. And let me tell you something, man. I got worked. Some of uh, XG's cousins came and worked me in the front row. For $1,300, okay? Oh. And they didn't do jack, all right? The whole landscaping comes. What's that? I was about to say, as a Mexican, it's some good landscaping. Yeah, you Look do. Well, you, yeah, and you uh, commit highway robbery, and you're jacking me for some cash, and you didn't even <laughs> trim the bushes. That's not what Damone Landscaping does. Damone Landscaping comes in, gets the job done right. Frank and his two sons, who are wonderful human beings, uh, I love them very much, and uh, I'm very excited that uh, they can be, get a promo here. So just go to themonelandscaping.com. Now, that's enough of the business. Support local businesses. Uh, joining us, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of podcasts, and I figure it's not enough. There's not enough podcasts uh, having this person talk. She is fearless. She's undeniable. She is the Paul Revere of truth. She's just on a horse warning us of danger. Nobody's listening. We don't care because we're too busy watching the mass singer to care about uh, fascism coming in. Uh, she's one of the best we're going to talk about because I, I think she's gone on her own. She is a small business herself. Please welcome Whitney Webb. How are you, Whitney? 
Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, anytime, anytime I can talk to you, you are always welcome to come on. Whitney, now, uh, I think you've gone independent, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think you, you were on the Mint Press, and that's a wonderful website, but I think you decided to go off on your own. Is that correct? Well, that was the original plan, but I actually ended up uh, getting hired by The Last American Vagabond, which is actually a YouTube channel, and by Ryan Christian, whose YouTube channel I've always really been a fan of, so it was... Uh, you know, kind of a nice segue for me into something different. I have, you know, it's basically like being independent, but I don't have to worry about getting paid technically. Um, I have complete editorial freedom and I can write about whatever I want. So that's sort of where the series uh, that I just started that we're going to be talking about ended up coming from. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Why do you want to go? I mean, again, no, no problems with uh, Mint Press, wonderful people, but you just wanted to do a little different or just go off on your own or just, you know, sometimes people just want to change the scenery. Well, um, it's a little complicated, but basically, um, you know, I have a two-year-old. I kind of needed a more flexible schedule. Um, I was a staff writer at Mint Press. I needed something more regular than I could really give them. Um, but I still respect and, and really admire everyone there. Um, and I'm really happy that it was my home, uh, my journalistic home for over three years. Well, that's wonderful, man. And like, yeah, as, as someone with two kids, I, I just children it's like you're a casino and there's these giant whales that come in and everybody's <laughs> serving them hand and foot and they don't ever say thank you they just want you to keep going and you just yeah. hope at some point they tip you and it never happens and so i respect anytime uh, anyone's talking about children i totally totally respect that how are you and your family doing during this whole thing well, we're actually doing pretty okay, all things considered. I mean, Chile, uh, where I live, is kind of having a similar thing go down that the U.S. is having, and the, the creepy uh, sort of fascism stuff rolling in slyly on the side, you know, is a little bit here, too. But I live in a rural area, so it hasn't really affected me that much besides, you know, some store closures and stuff like that. I can still run around outside with my kid. Otherwise, uh, things might be a little crazier <laughs> than, they, than they are currently. So, you know, can't complain. It is crazy that they have zero clue what's going on out in the world. You know, like they just like smile, eat, poop. And then that's, they don't care. They don't care that fascism yeah. is rolling in. They don't even care. They just want you to turn on Disney Plus. And I, I watch Disney Plus. I'm going to get murdered on a show for saying that. But luckily, I, it's not my account. I don't give them any money. Uh, I will tell you that my, my daughter, Ninja, looks exactly like Baby Yoda. Okay, so that's all I got. Every time I'm like, look, it's you. Um, I'm, I'm liking, uh, so it, it is crazy times to bring children into the world, uh, yeah. and have children here. Um, what is your take on, what is Whitney Webb's take on what is going on around the world? Oh man, that is a broad question. Well, um, I definitely think we're being lied to on a massive scale. I don't think um, anyone really knows exactly, can it really even say with any certainty exactly what's going on. I think there's a lot of people, bad and trustworthy pe pe uh, people, most of them in government, totally milking this for uh, agendas they've had for a really long time and trying to push that shit through um, why people are freaked out or distracted, stuck in their home watching Netflix, not able to meet up with other people. Um, I think also uh, um, also we're seeing like a resurgence of neocons. Um, there's this new committee that went live last year. They're a resurrection of this old neocon committee called Committee on the Present Danger. 
their last incarnation before last year was in 2004 and was all these, you know, Bush era neocons uh, supporting the war on terror. Now they're back uh, trying to ratchet up tensions with China using a lot of the coronavirus stuff as an excuse. A lot of these same guys are saying it's a Chinese bioweapon and pointing to a lot of evidence that is honestly really shady because a lot of the studies they point to saying, oh, look at China's dangerous bioweapons research. That shit was like co-funded and co-financed and the scientists that did it, they were Chinese scientists and U.S. scientists, U.S. government funding, Chinese government funding. It was definitely something that was shared and they're deliberately omitting that. That to me just screams propaganda. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, Beyond I totally that agree that it's both. Uh, that it, I, 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 I've had people come on and say, "Oh, it's the Chinese government," and then the, the next guest is, "Oh, it's the U.S. government," and they both have amazing research. To me, it, it, it's kind of like you know you start hearing uh, discussions of that Iran and the U.S. government worked together on taking out Solomon because Solomon was getting too popular for the Iran government. That was something that was out there. But I could see how this could be mutually beneficial to both sides. Uh, uh, you know, whoever, whatever president was president at that time, I don't know how long this virus has been in the works, but you talk about what's going on in your country, Chile. Uh, I mean, it would make sense for all these governments to kind of want to come together in a way to lock down uh, their population because there's no way that one government would love another government to just completely allow their people to be free to not only just move about, but also to criticize and do whatever they want because, you know, the other country's population will see them be like, why can't we do that? So it's mutually beneficial <laughs> yeah. to everybody to kind of come together in this moment of lockdown. Can I just jump in real quick? You're so right about neocons kind of having a resurgence. Like the other day I was on Facebook and got this ad that was a really alluring kind of uh, like a return to sanity sort of uh, play. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I clicked on it and did some research. And it's Bill Crystal. He's got this group now called Republicans yeah. for the Rule of Law is what it's called. And it's just the same <laughs> so neocons out there pushing. I, where they get these millions from, I have no idea. But the ads are everywhere now and I see them. And it's so hard to find out who's behind them. But you're right. I think that's a really dangerous new thing we're seeing is these neocons. Henry Kissinger is back. I mean, just... It's almost like a like a soap opera where they killed off a, a character, and then all of a sudden you're like, "How did you come back?" You're it's like it's like Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth. You're like, "Dude, so how many times you die before you don't come back again?" And here he is saying the same stuff, and then these people are just like, are just like sitting there going, "You know, you know, let, we got to listen to Henry Kissinger and Bill Gates," and it's just like. It's either it's either ignorant bliss and arrogance about their ignorance, or it's just like they got Stockholm's. I just don't Stockholm's. How many how many times know. do you get to be wrong? You know, how many times do you get to be wrong before you don't get to participate in the public discourse anymore? That's really well, why. I'm going right. back to neocons, really quick. So I wrote in January when this uh, bioweapons claim about China being responsible was first coming up, and the first people that made those claims, the first one was, uh, you know, Radio Free Asia, which is U.S. State Department funded, uh, like a you know news service, and the other one was this guy that used to work for Israeli military intelligence, Danny Shokam, who claimed that the 2001 anthrax attacks were Saddam Hussein's fault. So, I mean, oh, dude, we're going to get into that because <laughs> oh, when nice. I saw that, like there's been a couple of times in my doing this show or learning something on the show where I kind of just was like, I mean, 
a piece just kind of clicked. And again, this is Sam Tripoli talking. This is Whitney, Whitney Webb talking. When you know, I, I, I watched, I did some research on Kazarians, and by research, I watched a couple YouTube videos, right? And um, <laughs> they they were talking about the history of Kazarians and how if you go back far enough, Kazarians are actually Turkish. And then you kind of look into you know the Rothschild and the whole theory that they're Kazarians and then who founded Israel. And then you go, okay, that makes sense on why Israel doesn't want to recognize the Armenian genocide because they're founded by people who have a history of Turkish. That's Sam Tripoli talking, not Whitney. So here I get into this thing, and we're going to get into that anthrax story, but I kind of want to start with a couple things that you'd brought up earlier, and uh, the, the, the anthrax thing you're talking about is dark winter, right? And we'll get into that, but I want to bring up, we've talked about it on this show, okay? Uh, we've talked about uh, event 201. Uh, we did a couple episodes on, but what are you, what's your take on event 201? Okay, so Event 201, that was, what, the Davos Crowd, World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Um, so a lot of people have done, you know, deep dives on, on Bill Gates and why he's a shady piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> a, a, an obvious way to, like, examine that quickly is just to look at how close that dude was to Jeffrey Epstein, who, you know, I came on the show, last time I was on the show, we were talking about that. Uh, Epstein's former top scientific advisor, uh, was the backup executor of Epstein's will. Bill Gates and Epstein hung out all the time. Uh, they were really into science, the same type of science, which mainstream media said that Jeffrey Epstein's favorite scientific interest was eugenics. Okay, uh, so now we're going to trust Bill Gates with a vaccine when he's into, like, you know, friends with a pedophile eugenicist. I mean, I just think that's totally... It is amazing. Insane. You are my friend who's questioning what's going on right now, and you know, I mean, we talked to kind of, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, we're being lied to. I don't know what extent you, you, you've looked into it. I'm, I'm getting emails, uh, messages on whether all the boards involved with this show from nurses, from people in hospitals telling me that their hospitals are ghost towns. Uh, I've been told by many nurses, not just like second, third hand, but the nurses themselves going, my hospitals cut down all of our hours because there's no patients here. And you see that uh, a friend of mine, I talked about this on the Patreon. I'm not going to give his name, but a gentleman I went to school with in uh, upstate New York, his father sadly uh, passed uh, thoughts and prayers out to that, uh, out to him and his family. Uh, his father passed away. And the next day the newspaper announced it as a Corona death. And he was very adamant to everybody. He's like, my dad did not die from Corona. And we see this happening over and over and over. And then, and Whitney, to be honest with you, it's like someone was telling me the other day, it's like they think it's possible. Uh, and, and Whitney, you're one of the researchers I talk to when I, I try to at all try to say that Trump might be a good guy. I feel like I'm going to get my teeth kicked in for uh, saying that. But <laughs> that, that there is this notion that uh, – they had to implement this plan maybe a little quicker than they, they were ready for. And I do honestly believe whether uh, we end up with the mark of the beast, which is mandatory uh, um, vaccinations and, uh, and Bill Gates's wet dream of us getting a, a tattoo, um, <laughs> that the information is oh, getting out and, it's, it's, it, 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 and it can't control them. So either this thing is falling apart or these very old people who are – these very old, old people 
uh, have no clue how to work the internet and they don't realize how quickly it moves. Um, I've heard this, I heard the same thing, Sam, how LA is empty, the hospitals are empty. The only place I heard that it's crazy is New York. One nurse that I know did tell me that it's a shit show over there. So I don't know if it's just right there where it's, it is. I don't know if she's lying to me. I don't know if she's just. But again, we're not saying on, people are dying like, yeah. here at all. I but mean, it, any yeah. loss is is a tragic loss. No, I mean, I lost a friend last year to a suicide, and I was I was shook for six months, man. It was very hard for me to get over. So I'm not sitting here, and I would never. And people are like, "Oh, so now you're saying it's a real virus?" I've always said that. I've never said it wasn't a virus. I just said that the data that's coming out and the reaction to it doesn't make it's sense. It's overdone. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Only in New York. It seems like only in New York, it should, they should be acting like that. Here, well, my friend like who said he got it, and I'm going to be honest with you, Winnie, he said to me, oh, I went to the hospital, and they said, we're not even going to test you. You got Rona. You got the coronavirus, right? And I'm like, they didn't even test you? He's like, no, they just told me I got the Rona, and I've been – and he said he's gotten really sick. So I'm not saying he didn't have it, but they're not even testing some people. They're like, oh, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. So then like a, a week after I talked to him, he took a picture of this hospital and he goes, D-, and it, it was a hospital that had one of these makeshift tents outside of it. And he was like, oh, dude, it is a war zone down there. And I looked at the picture. There's one person actually in the picture. There's nobody else in the picture. And even when you saw local news from there, they were saying, and, you know, they got the barricades out because they expect a, 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 this to be a, a chaos. And there was, like, literally 10 people in the line. I'm not saying people dying, but it just – the reaction doesn't seem to fit. And when you look at Dr. Fukuchi or whatever his name is and his connections to all these people, it just doesn't I, – I, and by the way, Whitney, I – butcher every everybody's name the fact that your last name is Webb is a, a blessing on this show yeah um, <laughs> so uh, i mean it's just like it, it, and now you got this tonic that they're telling everybody to take and you had a democrat come out going i had it and i took it and i feel better it's just interesting times what's your whole thoughts on that Whitney? well i definitely think the u.s government is lying about the numbers, um, just like what they accused China of doing. I think China also probably lied about its numbers. I honestly think most countries are lying about them. Um, we just had um, one of the people on the corona, coronavirus task force come out and say that they are counting in, in the coronavirus death count any death that can possibly be attributed to coronavirus. Said that it was, she called it a liberal approach to mortality rate, but basically that's an admission that they're overinflating the death count. Um, here in the U.S., Italy did the same thing. This isn't something unique to the U.S. government. This is something that happened in Italy as well. Apparently, the same thing's being done in the U.K. Um, why would they do that? Well, if they're overinflating the death count, then they can, uh, obviously, with mainstream media helping them out, promote panic, say, look how the death numbers are rising, um, but not, you know, mentioning the fact that there's a lot of people that die in the U.S. and die all over the world every day from various causes. And per this policy of over sort of this liberal approach to reporting mortality, someone could have a heart attack, but also have, have been tested positive for coronavirus, and then they go on the coronavirus death count. So it's just, um, you know, we're, what people need to keep in mind, a lot of people are getting really emotional about like people citing data like that and, and say, oh, you don't think this is a serious threat. Well, let's remember too, like during 9-11, anyone that had any questions about what was going on, there was an emotional response to try and shut down uh, people that had legitimate questions about what happened that day. Now it's been like 20 years since 9-11. 
So it's a little easier to ask those questions and not have someone freak out at you. But we need to keep in mind that, you know, these sort of events create an emotional response in people, but people, especially considering what the government is trying to do uh, with this whole situation, we need to take a second and like calm down the emotions and start to think about what's really going on. And at the very least, you know, allow people to ask questions and not like scream, scream at them and say, how dare you not emotionally react to this the same way I am? You know, I think that that's a really dangerous, like, you know, it's a slippery slope because governments manipulate that. I mean, there have been people in the U.S. government and, and all over the world, really, that have spent the past hundred years trying to study human psychology for the benefit of governments and giant corporations, going back to the day of Edward Bernays, who like wrote the book on propaganda and advised the U.S. during World War I. And, and World War II and advise a bunch of corporations about how to get the US, uh, US consumers to like buy a bunch of crap they don't need and stuff like that. I mean, there have been people that have been studying how to manipulate us uh, for decades. So, you know, that's why it's really important to try and take a step back, you know, and try and analyze the situation and, and look at this as objectively as possible. And even if you don't want to do that, like don't scream at someone that is trying to do that. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't create a conducive environment to trying to figure out what the heck is actually going on, which as I said earlier, no one really knows. And I also think something else that's interesting is that there's been a lot of attention in, in recent, uh, you know, uh, weeks given to trying to figure out and pin down where this, what the origin of the, the coronavirus is and what it really is. And, you know, there is merit in that, right? But it's sort of like what happened with the Epstein scandal and how everyone started to focus on Epstein's death and tried and ended up ignoring everything else that was still going on, like his co-conspirators, like Elaine Maxwell and stuff. Uh, we're still around because basically, you know, if you're focusing on where this came from several months ago, you're not focusing on what the government's doing now. And what the government is doing now is trying to get these really creepy powers, um, like the right to indefinitely detain Americans without trial. Uh, they just gave Wall Street a bailout four times bigger than the one that happened in 2008. I mean, they are just like laughing all the way to the bank and taking away all of our rights while we're arguing about is this a China or US bioweapon? You know, uh, I, I think that's kind of dangerous. So I think people need to keep that stuff in mind. And also, you know, if we're going to talk about past stuff, also keep your mind a little bit in the present and don't get too stuck in the past. And I think there's, you know, as we were talking about earlier, there's like this neocon involvement. There's a concerted effort to manipulate discourse about coronavirus for the benefit of really shady people. Neocons are not your friends. Even if <laughs> that should you. be a t-shirt. Neocons <laughs> yeah. are not your friends. Um, 100%. I mean, like if you, uh, you know, someone I, I want to get on the show is uh, Janine Garofalo. I don't know if you know her, but she was, mm -hmm. she's a wonderful comic. And like during 9-11, man, she was like, she had a television show in the work. She had all this stuff and she was like anti-war and she paid the price and like it was for a long time it was like you didn't hear from janine garofalo but she paid the price and you see it happening now and we going back to event 201 there's scenario there's a page called scenarios we talked about it and it plays just like this the only difference is is that in that scenario it starts in latin america moves up and goes to china and the reason I think they did that is because China was in the room. They're like, okay, we got to flip this. They're right here. We can't tell them we're going to start <laughs> yeah, over they, here. Yeah, they participated. The Chinese government participated. Them, in so we're going to start. The Latin, nobody from Latin America <laughs> showed up. So let's start there. And it starts from a, a pig eating a, a bat. And then it goes from there. And that's where you hear, basically you see where they, they try to frame it as 
wet markets. And when you go back to uh, Epstein, like you were talking about, when we're focusing on the fact that Epstein's not, uh, Epstein didn't kill himself, we aren't focusing on all the other things that were going on and who was involved with that and how we like, dude, there's things going on with Epstein right now where like his bank account gets reactivated and everyone's like, what? And even the bank was like, okay, dude, I know this guy was powerful, but powerful enough to start his bank account after he's dead. Like, and no, just nobody seems to care. It's just, and I, I don't know, maybe we're just nuts, but it's like you really do have to keep your eye on the prize. And another thing I want to talk about is when you brought up a good point about how like when people are like, but people died, you know, and I'm like, yeah, man, tra it's super tragic. I know if one of my family members in any way was involved in any of these things that I'm suspect of, I, I don't want to just be told this guy did it. I want to see the evidence on who and why you think he did it. And if that's not him, I want to know who really did it. I don't, I don't want closure that's, oh, someone's in jail for my grandpa. Died. I want to know the guy who killed my dad or what, whoever, whatever the scenario is, the guy who did it, he's the one in jail, not some patsy that we see. Oh, I mean, like I've gotten arguments to the one and during the Vegas shooting. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And people are like, but people died. I'm like, Dude, I, I, if we're, you know, everybody watches murder television. Do you think those people want a person arrested or do they, do they want the person who did it arrested? And that's, and that's what makes our job hard. Okay. More, you know, you're a much more serious researcher than I am. I am a <laughs> multi-layered dick joke comic. I make no jokes about it. I can barely read. Okay. I'm flunk first grade. I, I don't know how you and I are talking. I'm so blessed. Right. <laughs> But at the end of the day, what we do is we have to ask the hard questions at the hard times and people get really right. mad at us. And it's almost like when you see in the newspapers, it was a famous like a uh, hacky scenario where someone would be accused of something in the newspaper. And when it turned out that he didn't do it, the apology would come on page 17. You know, the accusation comes on the front page and the apology comes on page 17. So when they say very, that when they're yelling at us, but people die and they're, they're calling us whack jobs or they're blocking us because, Oh, that's, that, that's Sam. He's just, uh, he just wants attention. It's like, no, the truth is I'm like, I'm on team humanity. And I care for people. Who asked the hardest questions? Alex Jones. He asked about Sandy Hook. What happened? Yeah, he had that guy he on him. People went crazy, you know? They, and that might be a more extreme version of it, even though extreme, I don't think yeah. so. I'm just saying that. No. And he doesn't get weirded out, right? But uh, the truth is that, um, you know, it's like I get people yelling at me. I get people not want to talk. I get DMs, people angry. I, I get called from people who love me and tell me like, hey, dude, people are calling him and asking, tell me to tell you to stop. And I go, well, then you tell them, don't worry about it. Because listen, dude, if we were wrong, if Whitney, if you were wrong uh, more than you were right, you wouldn't be hired at another place to work. You wouldn't be doing this anymore. You'd be like, oh, my research sucks. I'm going to go teach yoga in Chile. You know, I'd be doing something else, right? It's the fact that you're on the ball all the time with your research that you are, in fact, encouraged to keep going. And that's what it is. In, in, in dark times, we need calm minds. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, because when people make, um, you know, decisions out of a place of fear and a place of panic, they often don't make 
intelligent decisions, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what the government is counting on right now and why they're pushing for all this stuff that doesn't, that won't even actually help fight the pandemic. One example would be the surveillance system that they're pushing for, mass surveillance mm -hmm. as an answer to coronavirus. The first company to try and roll that out with the coronavirus pandemic was Israel. They gave the power um, or the oversight of that surveillance fit, uh, system to Shin Bet, which is like Israel's FBI. And then a couple weeks later, all these Israeli doctors, this was reported in Haaretz, were saying, hey, Shin Bet, cut it out because your surveillance program is actually making it harder for us to do our jobs and you're actually making the pandemic worse. But even though that happened in the first country to do it, Israel didn't stop and all these other countries, including the US, are pushing for the same crap as a solution. And the person pushing for this um, originally is this lady named Tara O'Toole who currently works for NQTEL, which is the CIA's venture capital arm. She used to be part of the John Hopkins Center for Health Security that co-hosted Event 201. Um, she used to be the head of that, the, the, the dark winner, um, you know, dry run for the anthrax attacks that you sort of alluded to earlier that my oh, we're gonna get about. into that. We're gonna yeah, get she, into that. She co-wrote that and then her, her, you know, um, I guess bestie, I guess you could say in this field of like biosecurity and whatnot, they always have worked together pretty much for the past like 20 plus years. Thomas Inglesby, he was the moderator at Event 201. But this lady, when she started with InQtel, started putting out all these papers saying that we need a surveillance system for public health for the next pandemic. And she's been doing this the past several years. And now it's, it's getting huge pushes. And now uh, there was a report in Politico either today or yesterday saying that Jared Kushner is the guy that's going to be in control of implementing that, that mass surveillance system. Insane, right? Because he has close ties to a foreign government and he is just like in general a shady dude. Uh, close ties? <laughs> Close ties. Yeah, dude, well, insanely close. That he Netanyahu like, used to do sleepovers. Sleepovers. I know it's so nuts. I just and can't it's just believe. like I'm sorry, dude, but it's like if you're okay with Netanyahu, dude, you got. Pro I mean, like, imagine like if I go Dick Cheney's an asshole, and everyone's like, yeah, and then so I'm like Netanyahu's an asshole. You're like anti-Semitism. It's like they are in the same elk. They are the same totally. type of person, okay? I mean, just dark arts, evil people mm -hmm. that see us as sheep and don't have any problems with using and abusing us. And it's like, the problem is this. It's like, they know, they, they know, like people start freaking out when they heard that like people in like Rhode Island, I think it was, were going door to door trying to find uh, New Yorkers. Yeah. You're like, what, what, what are we, Anne Frank? I got to hide my friend in, <laughs> in the base, in, in the attic? I mean, like, this is America. People got really weird on that, man, and show me your papers. People started getting re a little weird. Not enough weird for me, but a little bit weird. But the problem is with your computer or your phone, nobody cares. Nobody cares because you can't see bad men going through your thing, going through your computer. And I would tell you, is that there's more personal information that you probably don't want anyone getting out on your computer than on uh, than in your house. And it has nothing to do with you not doing anything wrong. That should not be the basis. You should not want basic personal privacy just if you're a criminal. It should be, if, you should want privacy more when you're not doing anything. Then when you, you think you might be up to something, or you think the government might think you might be up to something. I just yell at you guys and then wait for you guys to talk. That's kind of how this show's going. <laughs> Let's get into um, Crimson, Crimson Contagion. Is that what it is? Because I hadn't heard of that one at all. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? I'm so intrigued by this. 
By the way, okay. best name for a death metal band ever. <laughs> hey, there there might be a band like that uh, in a couple months from now when quarantine's over. We'll see. We are but... <laughs> contagious. Ooh! And then you just go off with that with that Cookie Monster rock. Right. So What's going on with Johnny's mic? Real quick. Sorry, Whitney. What is going on with your camera, dude? Yeah, what exactly what I was on? thinking. There's like eight spirits over there. There's two robot guys. There's two Johnnies. What? It's uncomfortable. That's, Go on, Whitney. Dying. I'm sorry my friend is trying to do new filters on his phone. Sorry about that. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. It's all right. So um, Crimson Contagion was actually a series of simulations that happened last year which were really similar to event tier zero one in the sense that they uh, were simulations that essentially predicted that a global pandemic would be taking place soon it was led by this guy who's um an assistant secretary for hhs named robert cadlick who after all of these uh simulations took place because crimson contagion wasn't just one simulation it was four it involved 19 different federal agencies the national security council uh 12 different states and a bunch of private sector companies uh, including some that are going to be part of Kushner's surveillance system, like Juvere, um, who, which was in that political article I just mentioned. They participated in Crimson Contagion and talked about how to make a better surveillance system. So that's so really interesting, interesting. Whitney. Uh, real quick, it's just so interesting because, like, billionaires have a different way of play. This is my friend Tate Fletcher said that, like, basically these simulations are like billionaires versions of magic the gathering right they're just like it's just a, a different role-playing scenario that it just ends with us in bondage which is so weird and crazy but go on crimson i'm sorry everyone's gonna yell me it's like stop cutting her off got my pop. i'm gonna shut up no no it's totally okay but i would actually argue that it's a step above magic the gathering uh because the people that did crimson contagion this catholic guy the people that did event 201 they have ties to the simulation that preceded and predicted the anthrax attacks and the people involved in that knew the anthrax attacks were coming before they happened and they were involved in the cover-up after the fact right so the fact that they had those ties with that type of event and a simulation preceding that, and then they have ties to simulations before coronavirus, and now they're involved in the response or are involved in making some of these vaccines and, and treatments for coronavirus, I think is just like hella shady. You know what I mean? So, it hasn't so, been talked out enough. So, so but anyway, uh, really quick, yeah, uh, Crimson on, Contagion. Well, I, I just saw it like finish the, yeah, 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 the explanation. I'm sorry, I'm gonna shut too much. <laughs> no, it's cool. So, so there, there were four simulations and they were in different size, you know, of varying sizes. One of them took place in Chicago and involved the whole state of Illinois. Um, there was one that was just in the Department of uh, Health and Human Services. And then there was this huge one last August that had all these different states and federal agencies, including like the Department of Energy, the Department of Treasury. There was a whole day devoted to finance, how to provide relief for the pandemic. And then we see the Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, come out with this quote unquote relief bill, giving all this money to BlackRock. And, and you know, basically the treasury mer merging with the Federal Reserve and all this stuff. This was apparently planned out during Crimson Contagion last year. So that's kind of interesting, right? Um, yeah. But anyway, this uh, Robert Cadlick guy in January of this year, um, and of course we know now that uh, it just came out today again, that the CIA and all these intelligence agencies were saying it's gonna be a huge cataclysmic pandemic last November. In January, this guy, uh, Cadillac, who, by the way, has close connections to U.S. intelligence. He used to be on this, uh, uh, the director of one of the subcommittees for the Senate Intelligence Committee. He's a former lobbyist for an NSA contractor um, and uh, has ties to DARPA also. He was doing, he put, the, put out this statement 
from the office of HHS where, that he runs saying the next pa giant pandemic, it's not a matter of if, but when it's coming soon and you better be ready. And that was in January. Right. So like, and he also, by the way, is really close to Senator Richard Burr, who is the guy that was doing insider trading after getting briefed by intelligence and by Catholic. Right. So this is like a shady dude that was doing these simulations last year. And then at the beginning of March of this year, uh, less than a month or a little over a month ago, he was put in charge of the Department of Human Health and uh, the, the HHS's entire coronavirus response. And they're like the lead agency for, for the response there. So, you know, it, the, these people definitely had some plans going on. And another thing that took place during Crimson Contagion, one of the other, you know, days besides the stuff with the Secretary of Treasury and Finance um, and, and all of that was called Continuity of Government. Right. And so people that, you know, have been sort of like in conspiracy government rabbit holes and stuff like that may have heard of continuity of government um, and how super shady that is. Um, and what happened with continuity of government after 9-11 and the main core database and, and can you all go into stuff. that a little bit for those who don't know, like XG, can you go into a little <laughs> bit of what that is? Yeah, just a little bit. So it's basically what happens if, if Congress is taken out of commission and the president is taken out of commission, what type of government takes over? And it's basically a roadmap for martial rule. Um, it was, you know, developed during World War II, but the Reagan administration overhauled it and the people that overhauled it were people like Dick Cheney, oh. Donald Rumsfeld, okay. even though they weren't in the Reagan administration at the time. And the Miami Herald reported in the 80s that this was essentially the real government, the shadow government during the Reagan administration responsible for Iran-Contra and stuff like that. Then right after 9-11, when Cheney and Rumsfeld are actually in office, um, elements of continuity of government go live and a bunch of shady stuff happens. And this database called MainCore, which basically is all the illegal spying done on Americans uh, before 9-11 and after gets fed into this database and anyone that the government thinks may be unfriendly to them if they take too much power or, you know, totally gut or like just throw out the constitution gets added to this list. And basically anyone on this list can either be targeted with heightened surveillance or they can be indefinitely detained, right? So that's why it was really creepy to me when William Barr, who has close ties to the Reagan administration, yep. he was in the George H.W. Bush administration, and is just like, you know, uh, a bad man. I'll just leave it at that. Um, he, you know, he, under the guise of coronavirus, calling for powers to indefinitely detain people, um, saying that we, and now they're saying, right, um, it was on MSNBC, and then this guy from the World Health Organization said we have to go into people's homes and take out people that might have coronavirus why you know the department of justice is basically asking for powers to do that and actually last year before coronavirus in october after all of these discussions have you know sort of gone on on that day with crimson contagion um bill barr uh created this pre-crime program and was yep. asking about indefinite detention uh back then saying it needed to be done to fight mass shootings because that was the concern at the time and so now what he's done is basically asked for the same solutions that were supposed to be solutions to mass shootings and now they're solutions to coronavirus because more Americans are scared of coronavirus than mass shootings right now. So it makes a convenient little circuit, you know, for government there. Um, and that is one of the big reasons for, I, I talk about, you know, again, uh, I, 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 there's things that I like that Trump does. I know that's going to sound just completely ridiculous to you, but there are a couple <laughs> things I like. And there, but I say the things I don't like because I don't feel like anyone really talks about the real stuff. They're all like, Russia gate, he's a racist. But oh, it's right. like, it's really like, you know, precognitive crimes is like, that's a real thing that he had his daughter spearhead 
Uh, and that is the crunching of your data. And if the data shows that you could be a threat, they could arrest you. That's a real thing to call Trump out. But you'll never hear Trump called out on that in the mainstream media because no that's what the people who own the mainstream media want. They want to guess if you're going to be trouble and nip that at the bud before you get become trouble. Right. And so that's why I think it's what you just mentioned about Ivanka Trump leading that effort last year, that surveillance effort and pre-crime, uh, how she was sort of involved in that uh, HARPA pre-crime program they were trying to push through. That's different than the Bill Barr one, but has a lot of overlap. And now it's Kushner, her husband, that's pushing oh. for the, the the surveillance system, you know, in the name of coronavirus. Right. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, like, and that's another thing about Trump we could talk about. He has a foreign asset in the White House. He has an Israeli and has asset. a ton of power. It's not just the coronavirus task force. It's not just this new coronavirus surveillance system. That guy's in charge of the border wall. He's in charge of the opioid crisis, like a whole bunch of other stuff. The, the peace deal for Palestine that was basically like an Israeli like wish list for the like total destruction of And dude, the deal of century of was that called? Sovereignty. Yeah, it was called yeah. the deal of century. And basically for those that don't know, I've been wanting to do an episode of it. Uh, Trump wanted to make a deal with the Palestinians that he, he would give them a certain part of land. I, I want to say it's in Lebanon or uh, somewhere near, and they could have it with all this money was going to come with it. So they'd be set up. You would have to be completely brain dead to think that any chance that all that funding would ever reach the people. Like there wouldn't be somebody at the very top siphoning off billions, if not trillions of that dollars. It, it, it would be the worst thing the Palestinians could have done. And I don't know if you saw this recently, recently Whitney, but um, rumor is, is that Netanyahu had to go to, to Qatar to beg them to continue to fund the Hamas. And like I've said before, uh, Hamas is no different than Al-Qaeda. Hamas is no different than ISIS. They're paid for controlled opposition so they can just stir up the masses to, to beg the government to protect them from the boogeyman. And that's it's just unbelievable. And then with Jared Kushner, it's just like this, Jared Kushner reminds me uh, he's just a better looking version of George Bush Jr. In that everything George Bush Jr. touched turned to shit. But he had so much power behind him, he could clean it up and nobody ever talked about, you know, when George, I, I'm much older than you, Whitney, but I remember when George Bush ran, they're like, he's a great businessman, you know? And you're like, no, literally everything, he was the anti-Midas touch. Everything he touched yeah. turned to, to dog crap. Uh, nobody. So, so, so about the surveillance state. So you're telling me if this surveillance state goes through, if I get a fever, if I cough, if I'm smoking weed and I cough, they can instantly tell me that I'm a danger and I got to be surveillance for two weeks? Uh, I mean, they haven't put out any details of that sort of policy, but that sort of looks like what the, the narrative they're setting it up for, because we just had this guy from the, the World Health Organization, and before then it was Rachel Maddow and this guy from the New York Times saying oh that we need God. to send in people, uh, we need to send like police basically into people's homes and take out people who might be sick. Oh, wow. Take them away from their families. So That's anybody. If Right. Well, if they're saying who might be sick, I mean, that just open. that's like super vague and opens this yeah. huge uh, gray area about like what means uh, constitutes, you know, might being sick. Does it like you have a cough or a fever? They also mm -hmm. announced that now there's these drones that they've made that can, quote unquote, detect <laughs> fevers and coughs. So, I mean, are they just going to have like some drone come around and decide that 
you know, you coughed and then the police are going to show up and take you because, you know, uh, it's just really insane. Um, I really would hope that's not what's going to end up happening, but they're setting up a narrative suggesting that this is going to be uh, coming not that long from now. And I, I think part of the reason I feel that way too is because we've seen the government repeatedly compare what's happening right now with coronavirus to 9-11. Uh, just a couple days ago, the U.S. Surgeon General was saying, hey, Americans, this week, you need to get ready. This is going to be the worst week since 9-11, and telling people to, like, you know, get prepared. And then you had neocons like Bill Crystal saying this, the death toll has passed uh, for coronavirus, has passed the death toll of 9-11, making all these coronavirus 9-11 comparisons, which is rich coming from a PNAC guy, Project of a New American Century guy, but like Bill Crystal talking about 9-11 like that. But anyway, I mean, what they're clearly trying to do is link the, the trauma uh, of post 9-11, you know, what in, the, in, in that day and what followed with coronavirus, trying to get people to, to in the position where they're willing to give up their, their civil liberties and their rights, just like they were after 9-11 with the Patriot Act and things like that. And let's remember too, the Patriot Act, that was supposed to keep us safe from terrorism. And that was a, a good while ago, plenty of years to see what that was really about. It wasn't about fighting terrorism. Al-Qaeda is more powerful than ever. The U.S. openly supports Al-Qaeda in Syria and Yemen, right? So this is not, you know, something that was um, passed into law as a way to end, you know, uh, fight Al-Qaeda and protect the U.S. from terrorism, right? This was about giving up rights and those rights, even though that was passed in 2001, we still haven't gotten those rights back and those surveillance programs put in place, how they were expanded and all of that, all of that stuff still continues. And it's very, uh, given that precedent, it's very likely that these powers that they're pushing for now, like this, this, you know, increase in government power that they're pushing for now will be the same and that we probably won't get that back. Maybe they'll give us a little bit of it back, but it's not all going to come back. And I think people need to be very concerned about assuming that the government has their best interests at heart. A lot of people, when they're scared or in panic, they look to the government first or they look to a political savior to save us all from this horrible crisis. And I think, you know, have you not realized that doing that results in you getting royally fucked over by the government? <laughs> I think it's like time that people started like fig figuring out, like putting two and two together and being like, why are we trusting these guys when they couldn't even like, you know, prosecute, find where Ghislaine Maxwell is, right, with Epstein, yeah. like, okay, so you're going to save us for coronavirus, cool, and we're going to, you know, give power to, f like, fund the vaccine to the guy that was, like, best friends with, uh, you know, uh, Epstein, Bill Gates, it's just, like, it doesn't make any sense, it's I totally I love insane. raw Whitney Webb, I love it, dropping <laughs> F-bombs like a trucker, I'm <laughs> down with it all the time, every time. Uh, one thing I found very interesting, Whitney, you brought back the re references to 9-11, and even though it's in a direct reference, I felt, it, it, I feel like it still has the vein, and that is, like, dude, we gotta stop it. If, if we don't, like, stay home, it could explode, and to me, the virus, the deaths could just explode. We have to stay home. We have to listen to the government. And that would remind me a lot of when people justified going in to the Middle East and slaughtering million people, millions of people with the whole saying is, we got to fight it over there so it doesn't come over here. And right, would, exactly. that was the whole argument forever. Was the million dead Iraqis worth that? No, dude. So like, why are we letting the same freaking neocons who are in control of Trump's like policy here? Why are we giving them the power again? It doesn't make any sense. It so, doesn't. you know, 
I know a lot of people are really worried and concerned because now that, you know, it's not fighting them over there before they come here, like the crisis is here, right? But you need to be, people need to be very careful about the people who are making these decisions. Like I just mentioned, the guy who's like super tied to intelligence and a shady dude that did all these simulations last year about continuity of government and stuff with, you know, Goldman Sachs, Steve Mnuchin, Secretary of Tre the Treasury Department, all of that. He's in charge of coronavirus response, and we're supposed to, like, assume that he's doing the right thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, another example, a, th a thing about this tablet guy, you know, he spent, supposedly, since the early 90s, he has been a biodefense expert thinking about all these apocalyptic pandemic scenarios and how to respond to them. And when um, the U.S. was uh, evacuating, you know, all those Americans on the Diamond Princess cruise ship, he was the guy that overruled the CDC and said, no, we need to fly infected Americans back with the uninfected Americans. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. So like, we're going to trust this guy with like an obvious agenda. It doesn't really make, you a know. A great example people... of that, Whitney, is uh, that Northern Italian area where the infections were. Well, a big thing that happened up there was that, you know, Italy is the first of the like the, the westernized countries to join the One Belt, One Road initiative through China. So China bought all their textile companies and they were flying in Wuhan people into China to work in these companies. And at one point, even after the outbreak happened in China, the mayor was like having a hug a mm -hmm. Chinese person day. And I, I, it sounds like me criticizing that is, is like super like uh, racist. I, I don't mean it like that, but it fits into what you're talking about, which is this notion of government officials telling the population to do stuff that might not be in their best interest, which is hugging people from that area. I mean, am I being crazy here? And then that well, how area about just explodes. With, and, and, and a big problem with Italy is that they had the oldest population in Europe. And they were devastated by this stuff. Well, how about um, the, they had the primary in Wisconsin. And Bernie let people go vote for him. And then right when they're done voting, he lets, oh, I'm done. I don't want to run. So you oh, just told people dude. to go vote for That's you. That's a different they episode. They sat there in line. They sat there in line yeah. to vote for you. And then when you're, they're done risking their lives because they want you to win, you tell them, hey, I'm done. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah. Like, he he could have quit before the fucking primary and no one would have gotten voted. Biden would have been the guy and no one would have risked their life. How about Elizabeth Warren saying out a tweet thanking uh, uh, <laughs> Bernie Sanders for being a warrior for truth. I'm like, I put out a tweet. I'm like, that's like OJ Simpson going into Cole Brown's funeral. You know, it's like, what are you, what are you doing right there? You totally kneecapped him. Even if it was theater and it probably is theater, but I mean, like you could, you staying in on super Tuesday, kneecap Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders been, doesn't have any knees to cap anymore because he's been <laughs> taking a knee to the DNC forever. So, I mean, it's all theater, but it's ridiculous. I'm going to stop cutting you off, Whitney. I'm going to hear so much about this. Um, so the Crimson played out. I want to get into the, the one with Anthrax because when I watched, I heard this, you know, again, things started clicking. Uh, is it Dark Winters? It's called Dark Winters, Winter. right? Can you tell? I did not. I know there was a Dark Winters because we did an episode on it. And maybe I, I just didn't remember. But are you telling me there was this, a, a simulation involved with that, that Anthrax scare as well? Yeah, totally. So um, th this exercise called Dark Winter, it took place in Andrews Air Force Base in June 2001. That was like three months before the anthrax attacks. 
It had a very interesting list of uh, people attending, including the son of the guy that co-founded the CIA, right? Um, it had um, Margaret Humberg, who later became FDA commissioner under Obama and is now a top science advisor to Bill Gates. Um, you had Jerome Hauer, who my, part two of my series is gonna be about him really in depth, but he is a really shady guy. At the time um, of that exercise, he was working for this uh, intelligence contractor, AI, uh, SAIC, that a couple, uh, like a year or two before had been experimenting with what would happen if you sent anthrax through the mail right? Um, so that's oh pretty suspect. God. Yeah. And at the time of the exercise, he, and also on the day of 9-11, he was working for Kroll Inc., which was providing security to the World Trade Center. Uh, Jerome Hauer is the guy that got John O'Neill, who was the uh, expert, government expert in Osama bin Laden, whose investigations into bin Laden were repeatedly blocked from the very top. So he ended up leaving. And it was Jerome Hauer who said, hey, O'Neill, why don't you come and work for Kroll? And the day he started, that O'Neill started was September 10th, and then he died in the attacks a day later, but Jerome Howard wasn't in his office at the World Trade Center on September 11th. Instead, he went to cable TV, uh, you know, made cable TV media appearances and said, you know what, this is Osama bin Laden's fault before there was any investigation or yeah, anyone knew anything. Yeah, yeah. And right? nobody so that had, guy was a dark winner also. And, and nobody at Kroll uh, thing showed up to work that day either. Nobody. Just O'Neill. He was the only one. Didn't get how the, the email. How about the theory that the hijackers had anthrax on the plane? Oh, yeah. Well, that was Donald Kagan, who was a co-founder of Project for a New American Century that all these guys in the Bush administration were part of, too. And the day after 9-11, he was saying, um, we need to invade Palestine uh, because of 9-11, and we have to invade Afghanistan. And you know what? They may have had anthrax on that plane when they hit the Twin Towers. Yep. <sighs> which is pretty crazy. But actually going back to Jerome Howard, who was at Dark Winter on 9-11, he's the guy that told Dick Cheney and a bunch of other administration officials to start picking the Cipro antibiotic to prevent anthrax infection. Yeah, And he also started dropping all these hints that there was going to be an anthrax attack before the first, uh, the first anthrax victim even started to show symptoms, right? So there was a bunch of really shady, uh, you know, setting up the narrative foundation you know, for those attacks going on with people like Howard and all these peanut guys. And actually at Dark Winter, uh, there is a part of that exercise where they talk about, oh, anthrax is going to be sent in the mail and it's going to be Osama bin Laden working with Saddam Hussein. And that was the very narrative that was put forth when the anthrax, uh, anthrax attacks started to happen. And let's remember too that the anthrax attacks, the content of the letters that were sent with the anthrax said stuff like death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great. They were trying to frame someone who was a Muslim, and it was traced back not to a foreign source like people like Jerome Howard and all these Bush administration guys tried to say. It was traced back to a U.S. military lab. Yep, the right? only place, is, I believe, Utah, correct? Uh, Dugway, yeah. So the Dugway place in Utah is, supposed, is one place where people say it could have come from. Some people play, uh, say it could have come from Battelle. Uh, which runs a lot of the U.S. national laboratories, but it's, it's a private company with, uh, you know, people say it has close ties to the CIA. I haven't looked into that personally. Um, and then the other place that the FBI officially said was the source of it was Fort Detrick, Maryland, which has a history of losing anthrax samples and, and containment breaches, including two breaches of containment of all these deadly pathogens happened at that lab last year which is super weird. Why have they not gotten their act together? But anyway, Dugway, which you just mentioned in Utah, from uh, 
like 2000, I think, until 2015, they sent live anthrax in the mail to 86 labs around the world more than 70 times before they figured out that their, their process to make it inert or like, you know, not deadly didn't work. Oh, um, so that makes me feel really safe about, you know, U.S. bioweapons labs in the U.S., but let's keep in mind too, the US has bioweapons labs all over the country, a lot of them bordering Russia and China, um, yep. which is why there's so much fodder for people that are talking about, you know, is coronavirus a bioweapon? Whether it is or not, the US has been doing some shady stuff with bioweapons and one of the main people and, uh, you know, parts of the US uh, government involved in that is the military. Um, DARPA being one and the other one being this lab at Fort Detrick. So definitely a lot of shady stuff going on. but. Um, Jerome Hauer actually used to be part of the army command that oversaw Fort Detrick, had ties to um, one of the guys that was originally the first anthrax suspect, Stephen Hatfield. They used to work together. They co-presented presentations together. I mean, Jerome Hauer is totally a shady guy. And he actually is on the board of directors of a company that's going to make a killing off of the coronavirus uh, crisis because they're that company that Hauer has a bunch of stock in because he's a director, um, has two vaccines, and uh, two experimental plasma treatments in the works that are already getting fast-tracked and they got uh, like millions of dollars from BARDA of HHS, which is overseen by Robert Cadlick, the Crimson Contagion guy. Oh, Small world, right? God. But anyway, going back to um, the anthrax attacks, uh, you know, basically the, the investigation, it was pinned on this guy named Bruce Ivins, who in my opinion was totally suicided. He was yeah. under 24-7 yeah. uh, FBI surveillance. Uh, but they somehow didn't realize that he'd gone into drug-induced a coma, um, and there was they refused to do an autopsy on his body, and he left no suicide note, and it was right before he was supposed to go to trial because their case against him was super flimsy, and this ended, ended up coming out later. Um, all these independent panels looked into the, uh, the FBI's uh, evidence, supposed evidence, and their so-called smoking gun for blaming Ivan's and then revealed it was all crap, but they could never challenge the FBI because the case never went to court because this guy died. Right. And you are, uh, and you, what you're not, uh, what people might not understand is the head of this investigation of anthrax was no other than, uh, you know, deep state lover boy, Robert Mueller. Am I correct? Well, he was FBI director, but the lead investigator for anthrax was a guy named Richard Lambert, who ended up leaving while Mueller was still director in, in 2006, saying that the FBI, the highest levels of the FBI, presumably Robert Mueller, uh, were obstructing and impeding his investigation. And he actually filed a whistleblower lawsuit saying the whole investigation was a total sham. And from the earliest days of that investigation, it was really clear that they did not want the investigation to find out who had really sent those letters um, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that the, the strain of anthrax that was used in the attacks was, this, was the AIM strain. And the database of all the different types of AIM strains and all of that of anthrax was based at the University of Iowa. Just a couple days after the attacks were made public, the FBI calls the university and says, destroy your database now. And the university does it, right? Making it essentially you know, impossible to figure out where the anthrax used in the attacks actually came from. And they said the reason for this is so no one else commits uh, you know, an act of terror with anthrax, but, you know, it just basically threw the whole possibility of finding out who really did it 
you know, completely out the window. Another thing is that someone who claimed to work at Fort Detrick sent an anonymous letter to the FBI before the anthrax, case, uh, anthrax attacks had even started back when Jerome Howard and all these guys were saying there's going to be an anthrax attack. Someone sent an anonymous letter to the FBI trying to pin the crime before it had happened on this Egyptian scientist that worked at Fort Detrick. Um, saying that that this guy wanted to take down the U.S. government and, and all this other stuff, and the FBI refused to look into who sent that letter. They're like, that's not relevant. The, obviously, the person that sent that had obvious foreknowledge. I mean, if you're like a like a six year old like reading a Nancy Drew book, you like know <laughs> that like you that you should follow the origin of that letter and figure out who sent it, right? But uh, the FBI was like, no, and you know what, like the the whole database that would lead us to the source of the anthrax, we're just going to wipe that out and totally destroy it. Meanwhile, while all of those decisions were made by the FBI, the Bush administration was having meetings with Robert Mueller, telling him that he, need, he needed to pin the attacks on someone from the Middle East. He needed to blame bin Laden. He needed to uh, blame Saddam Hussein, someone like that. And at the same time, all of this was going on before this was known to the public. You had mainstream media outlets like ABC News, trying to pin this on, uh, on Iraq, even though there was no evidence to do so, citing all these administration officials um, in the Bush administration, basically making this huge case for war. And a lot of people ended up saying after the fact that one of the reasons they supported the invasion of Iraq in 2003 was because of the anthrax attacks, how the panic from that piggied back uh, on the events of September 11th. I also want to point out too, that the, the politicians, the three senators who got anthrax letters, happened to be the three senators that were blocking the Patriot Act from being rushed through with no oh. debate in Congress. Oh, Isn't that really convenient? It is, yeah. it is wow. just unbelievable. And nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to hear this stuff. I don't get it. Like how much, like if you, I, I know most people listen to this show or watching the show on YouTube, won't, uh, don't watch the, the news. But the people who do, it's like, how many times do the lying liars have to lie before you stop allowing them to lie to you? Like, <laughs> No, it's insane. Fun. But I want to go to Dark Winter really quick again, because uh, remember how all of this stuff about anthrax, right, was predicted before then. And actually, one of the people who was blaming the anthrax attacks on Iraq was a journalist at the New York Times named Judith Miller. Um, who had close ties to the Bush administration, she was at Dark Winter, and she got sent an anthrax letter, but conveniently hers didn't actually have anthrax. It had a fake powder that didn't do any harm at all. So that's pretty weird. Um, no, it's not weird. It's, it sounds like completely consistent with the bullshit. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah but um, really quick too, another thing that's really important to mention, right? So this is a simulation that in a lot of ways predicted the anthrax attacks, but what's weird too, is that right after 9-11, right after, you know, Jerome Howard, who participated in Dark Winter, told Cheney to start taking Cipro, the authors of Dark Winter, including Thomas Inglesby, who led Event 201, personally briefed Dick Cheney about Dark Winter and about, you know, all the stuff that happened there, including, you know, this, this hint about blaming Saddam Hussein and bin Laden working together for sending anthrax in the mail and, and, and all of this other stuff brief them before those attacks ever happened, right? And as I was mentioning earlier, Cheney and Rumsfeld, the same dudes that were behind this continuity of government plan that were, you know, pushing for the Patriot Act and all that stuff, right? And their cronies, a lot of people that were advising them, like Robert Cadlick, uh, the Crimson Contagion guy, he was right after 9-11 became an advisor to Bush and Cheney about biodefense and biosecurity, 
Howard became uh, an advisor to HHS and then ended up, ended up getting a huge position there, right, um, under the Bush administration. I mean, all these people, it, it's just like this nefarious, like, web of all these, like, obvious criminals working together and now they're back and last year they did simulations about global pandemics and now they're trying to offer us solutions like jerome howard's company trying to offer us two coronavirus vaccines and blood treatments and robert cadlick leading uh the department of health and human services response uh really i mean uh, i just think this this needs to be known by more people that you know with the precedent of what happened in 2001, to put those same people in charge of what's going on now is complete insanity. It is insanity. And I, I just, nobody wants it. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody's. I'll uh, say just, that. That's depressing. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, like you care. I care. The people listen here care. And we keep trying. I guess I, my whole thing is like, we have to keep getting them. I, I do. I know. Listen, man, we're not going to leave this on a negative note because I honestly do believe that there is an awakening going up that whether Trump is that I, I and I know this is a bizarro thing, but, you know, what he represented, which was everyone thinking he was this outsider and opening up to like the, the fake news to this to that, uh, the satanic pedophile movements that Jeffrey Epstein worshiping ball and all that stuff, all that information comes out. I think what he, we're beyond Trump. We're, we're beyond like needing Trump to save us. The information is getting well, out. Yeah. And, I, and I really do believe that there's going to be a pushback to what they're doing. And I just think that this thing fell apart way quicker than they thought it was going to. And that well, it's, it's possible, but like uh, one thing that came up in event 201 when they were like gaming all this stuff out was the internet. And this is also in Dark Winter, all these unverified claims about the official narrative of the attacks and all of this being pushed out um, and how they had to do limited internet shutdowns. That was an event 201 and, and increased social media censorship. I mean, we're already kind of seeing that. Um, to an extent on YouTube is really clamping down on some people demonetized uh, like several channels the past few days ago They're taking down videos that they don't like about coronavirus um, I think we may see an increase in that which is unfortunate especially as you said like maybe they weren't expecting the narrative to be challenged so successfully so fast, but they definitely um, You know have some tools in their toolbox So I really hope that uh, people you know invest some time in looking at alternative You know social media platforms don't rely a hundred percent on Google or Facebook or Twitter for all your information, um, you know, and things like that. Because, like I like we've been talking about these simulations and all of that. That aspect of it, they have gained out, unfortunately. And in terms of, you know, um, uh, is Trump going to save us and all this stuff? I know you're saying that we're beyond that at this point. I think that's true. But I think one thing that um, a lot of Americans, and, and this isn't just exclusive to America either. It's a lot of other countries. Something that like people, people all over the world, and especially in quote unquote democracies grapple with is wanting to look for a political savior. Hey, this one guy is going to save us all. And just assuming that, you know, this figure, whoever he is or she is, that, that gets like elevated up is going to save us all, I think is something that we need to start really uh, thinking about like on a cultural level. And we need to get away from that because like we are the saviors that we've been waiting for. You know what I mean? It has to come from the bottom oh, up, not the top down. We can't be like, oh, Bernie Sanders is going to save us. Oh, no, it's Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, we yeah. are out of time for that shit. You know what I mean? We are I out of time. I completely agree with you. I, uh, here's my whole thing. There's just weird things 
that if we're playing this scenario, does it just doesn't make sense? Like, if if, if he is a part of this whole thing, and I'm not saying, dude, believe me, I don't think any billionaire is ever going to be a white hat, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. So. But there are weird things that don't make sense when we take a look at the last all the way to Jimmy Carter. And the only reason I don't include Jimmy Carter is because I wasn't old enough to actually take a look. But based on my research, it seemed like he got kneecapped. But after that, you know, from Reagan all the way up to Obama, we've seen a consistent movement to, like, sell out, sell out, sell out, play the game, uh, do the deep state stuff. I'm just saying, like, when the governor of California and a sheriff in L.A. County tries to make it so you can't buy guns, and then a national executive order comes out and says, oh, no, guns are a necessity, and they have to stay open. And then coming out with this tonic that people say is working – we got to do it on a personal level. It just doesn't seem like that's business usual. I'm not saying he's a white hat. I'm saying he's just a different crime family. Maybe it's a different crime organization trying to take care, take the reins from another crime organization. And and granted, dude, it's, it's deep. And I'm not going to ever say that anybody in that system is going to save me, but it just, whatever's happened in the last four years doesn't make sense to me. And that is the death of the mainstream media. Uh, pulling out of the Paris climate change. And I'm, I'm probably going a little bizarro. And I, I, Whitney's looking at me like, oh, my God. I can't no, no. <laughs> and it's fine. But, you know, pulling out of the Paris climate change, the, the trade wars with China, uh, you know, uh, there's just things that don't make sense. Now there are things he does that the Yemen, he making us complicit in that. I mean, I could, if I could sit here and call out, I feel like there's things that I, I just like, which is, making gun st- stores as as our police militarize th- this guy said no guns are necessity that doesn't seem like that's part of the scenario that seems like a, a very push back the push out that this tonic this quagug or whatever it is you know is is a good way to bet that doesn't seem like it's part of the scenario but if you're telling me it is then i think personally this is some super advanced shit that's even beyond assimilation to destroy all these, you know, we were talking about finding alternative media sources like the one that you're on, 100%. But it, when, whenever we see the movies where they're playing like this kind of uh, mar- martial law society that the, our, our hero has to buck against, there's always this mainstream media that is pushing out this propaganda. I don't know any, I mean, like, CNN's numbers before this pandemic crashed and burned. And then when the numbers, then this pandemic came and everyone ran back to watch, they just couldn't help themselves. And they just kept putting out fear porn. And it seems like people are over it again. I might be wrong. I'm trying to say that I think as a group, as a whole, that there are little things that are giving us a little wiggle room to fight back. And if we want to keep what makes this country great, we got to wake up and we got to pay attention uh, to everything. I'm sorry if I just, just threw up all over you with my conspiracy hope, <laughs> hope porn, Whitney, but I think the world of you, I, I'm sorry. I cut you up a couple of times. I'm just super excited. And uh, I'm an Italian Armenian with a lot of coffee and it's fun to talk to two adults and not two people in, uh, um, 
in uh, their baby pajamas, okay? And their swaddles. I've been talking to people in swaddles all day. I need to talk to a human being. So, Whitney, one more time, uh, if you could tell them where they can find you, and I hope you will forgive me for my mouth and uh, that you'll come back on anytime you have another article you think is great. Uh, tell them where all they right. can find you. Uh, well, right now you can find all of my work at thelastamericanvagabond.com. I also have my own website. That's where I'm republishing stuff I publish there or any other other uh, or any other site. It's called unlimitedhangout.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter um, at underscore Whitney Webb. Um, Facebook won't let me post anything. It says I abuse this feature when I hit the post button. Um, so <laughs> Sounds like I you're just, doing something right. I guess. So I just gave up with Facebook. I don't go on it anymore. So just like, don't try and contact me on there, please. I don't know, but Whitney, <laughs> if grandmas are your demographic. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I, no. I, hey, well, uh, you never know. I don't know. There might be some woke grandmas out there. Woke <laughs> grandmas. That's a t-shirt right there. Uh, Whitney, thank you for coming on. I know we're a little, we're a little bit of a animal zoo, uh, a little cuckoo crazy out here, but you know, I hope that Sorry. my, the people, the swarm that listen, uh, find you and show you love. And, uh, and you can come on anytime and it's always good to get a little di different demographic than maybe the uh, grandmas on Facebook that you've been reaching for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you. Be safe. Come back anytime. And uh, thanks for doing the show. I appreciate, I appreciate how hard and thorough your research is, even when I'm like, I don't know. Okay, well, it's Whitney Webb. It's got to be true. So uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> and thanks for coming on. Well, like, don't just take my word for it. And all my articles, please go and read them. I have, you know, links to everything that I use as a source. So look at the source for yourself and like make your own conclusions. Don't just take my word for it. Like I base this off of stuff. Go read it for yourself and come to your own conclusions, right? Question everything. That's what I say. Whitney, may the swarm be with you. Thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. And uh, take care of your lovely baby. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, 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 we go deep, homeboys. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit.